1: I'm Martin Strong, and with the gas prices going through the roof yet again this long weekend, an electric car is starting to look pretty good right about now. And on this edition of Vancouver Consumer, we're going to talk electric vehicles as well as all the options that are out there if you're in the market for a new or used car, electric or not. Inventory has been low, but that's starting to change. And we'll hear from James Carter from the Carter Auto family about what's new in the world of cars. That's coming up. But first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. If you were hoping that rents across the lower mainland would ease up for October, not much good news to report. Rental prices haven't actually increased by much this month over last. In fact, an unfurnished one-bedroom apartment costs an average of only 9 bucks more this October from September. But the tough part is that the average one bedroom sits at $2,256 a month, according to Live.Rent's latest rent report. Prices have been going up steadily over the summer months. Metro Vancouver renters are now spending just over half of their monthly income on rent. In normal times, the recommended ratio of income to rent is 30% of your income going to the landlord. According to live.rent, now that students have settled in their new rentals and the hyper-competitive summer months are now drawing to a close, price, prices should stay steady or start to decline through the remainder of 2022. The most expensive place to rent in the Lower Mainland? West Vancouver. It has the highest rents in the country. That said, the cost of an average unfurnished one-bedroom unit actually dropped in West Van. But it uh, went from 3,312 in September to 2,828 this month. And at the other end of the spectrum, Langley has seen the cheapest rent in the region uh, for both unfurnished and furnished one bedroom units at around 1,800 bucks. Vancouver will decide who will be the next mayor next Saturday and team for a livable Vancouver mayoral candidate, Colleen Hardwick announced on Wednesday that she wants to scrap the plans for a sky train type train going from Arbutus to UBC. Instead, Hardwick said a light rail line to UBC and three other routes totaling 58 kilometers could be built right across the city for the same price as the extension to just the university. She says it's a better investment and ties the whole city together. Mayor Kennedy Stewart points out that this next phase of planning for the Skytrain style extension was already approved by the mayor's council and he adds the daytime population of UBC exceeds eighty thousand people and is the third largest employment center in all of BC. ABC Vancouver mayoral candidate Ken Sim chimed in saying he supports the Skytrain extension to UBC, saying that anytime riders have to change modes of transportation, Ridership drops. And he says the idea that Colleen Hardwick can get regional support for this new plan at the expense of the already approved TransLink 2050 plan is just all, in his words, sparkle ponies and pixie dust. And if you're getting sick of the movies on Netflix, Crave or Amazon Prime, the Vancouver Film Festival has a good deal for you. VIF has partnered with Mubi, a curated streaming platform to give away a free 60-day membership. Usually it costs $12.99 a month, but you can get it for free for two months. And uh, you can go to the vif.org website or the MUBI website. That's M-U-B-I. And don't forget the Vancouver International Film Festival is on right now until the end of the long weekend. Screenings all day long. Uh, And you can go to vif.org to find out what's playing. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And COVID has really affected the market for new and used cars. But things are slowly getting back to normal. And to help us navigate some of the options that you have for getting into a new set of wheels, whether electric or gas-powered or a combination of both, we'll talk to James Carter from the Carter Auto family. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues. On CKNW.
0: This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.
1: Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. And when you think of family businesses in greater Vancouver, there are not a lot of names as recognizable as Carter especially when it comes to cars. The Carter auto family has been a constant in uh, not only the lower mainland, but in Western Canada for literally a hundred years. We're going to hear about that. And with me now is the grandson of the Carter who started it all James Carter he's the president of Carter GM North Shore in the North Van Auto Mall which is just one of the many Carter dealerships in the lower mainland you can go to carterauto.com for all the details but let's talk to James. James Carter how are you? I'm great this morning Martin how are you? Excellent. Excellent. I'm looking forward to find out what's going on in the world of cars, because I want to talk uh, this afternoon about uh, not only electric cars and and the state of that, what's going on with that, but also about the, the state of new and used cars in general. But I want to start with just kind of an overview about the state of the car industry right now, because it seemed like uh, there were a lot of supply chain issues we were reading about. And it was, uh, it was getting hard to, to, to get a new car or at least there were some weights involved. So what is going on these days, you know, at uh, you know, Carter GM North shore, for example, how are things looking?
2: Well, they're getting better. Um, You know, back when COVID hit, uh, we were definitely, well, you know, nobody knew what was going to happen. So we were hit with uh, huge supply chain issues. Um, you know, a lot of the factories for, for General Motors shut down as well as all the other manufacturers, really. And, um, and, and the thing that really kind of uh, was the issue was uh, computer chips. So right. um, and we're still in that issue because, you know, most of the computer chips uh, come from Taiwan. And Taiwan was completely shut down during the start of the pandemic, um, and so we just couldn't access those computer chips, or, or the manufacturers could not a- access the computer chips to to build the cars. But we're starting to see it come out of it. There's there's been a lot of um, a lot of learnings, I think, from the manufacturers, and they've they've brought a lot of or or they're trying to bring a lot of that. Um, that manufacturing capacity back into north america now so there's been big announcements of of uh you know factories opening up in the u.s uh microchip factories um but you know those are going to take a while to come online so we're still so we're still kind of in a in a bit of a limbo but uh, but we're getting there the, the the increase in vehicles is is coming for sure
1: Right. So, so it, there are cars out there. So if people go to like Carter there, GM North shore, there are cars. Th-
2: there are cars. There's a few, <laughs> there's not that many, but there, there's more now that coming in depending on the model for sure. Um, you know, a lot of our, a lot of our more popular models are, um, are, are sold, uh, pre-sold for, for quite some time. So, um, you know, we have been in sell been selling on a more of a, uh, factory order basis at this point in time.
1: Right. We're, we're talking to James Carter from the Carter Auto family. Uh, CarterAuto.com is the website. C-A-R-T-E-R. Simple carterauto.com. And, uh, it's kind of an interesting time for cars because it seems like every manufacturer is getting into, for example, electric cars, sometimes hybrid cars, and, uh, you specialize in GM products. Um, you know, what, what, how exciting is it for you to watch this sort of revolution in the way cars are made and sold? It's kind of cool.
2: Well, it is kind of cool. It's, it's, it's very exciting, actually. And I'm, I'm driving an electric car right now. Um, you know, my kids all have electric cars. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's pretty exciting. Um, you know, there's still some, there's still some, a con- lot of concern, a lot of uh, anxiety out there over, um, well, there's, there's kind of two schools of thought. Some people are very excited about it. A lot of other people are kind of like, well, you know, I'm not quite ready for an electric car yet. What if I what if I can't get the range? Um, You know, I want to go on holiday. I can't do that. So there's you know, there's two there's two sides to the coin, I suppose. One of them is the actual vehicle. The other side is the infrastructure for charging that that uh, is necessary to to kind of get electric cars up to where where we need to be. I mean, I think we all recognize that uh, um, that things are going in that direction. We're trying to cut emissions. Uh, we're, we're, we're all more concerned about the environment in, in these days. Um, and so, you know, there's so many things coming. There's electric pickup trucks and there's electric, you know, uh, SUVs coming. Uh, General Motors has, I think, uh, six new vehicles coming by 2020, end of 2024, beginning of 2025 um so it's it's going to be very exciting and a lot of those vehicles are are being built now but there's been huge demand for them so we have we have uh, big waiting list so it's you know we're between the supply chain issues that we were speaking about before and the the um you know the real desire for people to move to these new models of electric vehicles it's it's not a great combination but um uh, you know, as long as people are patient and, and things, they can end up getting exactly what they want.
1: Right. So is there a process that people can come in and get their name on a waiting list? Do you recommend people do that?
2: Yes. Um, you know, you can actually, uh, go directly to the, to the GM website and put your name on a waiting list. Some of them, um, like the, the Hummer, um, pickup truck, for instance, um, there's been so, so much, uh, Um, there's been so much desire for that new vehicle that they've now closed the waiting list for the time being. So, um, but there's, you know, for the new pickup trucks, for the Cadillac Lyric, for, um, you know, the Chevy Equinox that's coming, um, you know, you can, you can put your name on the waiting list and, and, uh, and then it'll be delivered out to us, to the dealer, or you can come in and just talk to us and we can, we can do things.
1: Yeah, sure. go to car go to carterauto dot com and then you can click on the Carter GM North Shore tab. They're in the North Van Auto Mall. And to me, that's the interesting thing about all these electric cars on the road is uh, they're not just the the little ones anymore. They're no. <laughs> like, I think I think when you have an electric Hummer, uh, I think it has arrived. And I think that I guess that goes a long way in in sort of convincing people who are a little hesitant when they can get a pickup truck that's electric.
2: That must yeah. Be- well, I think I think that's really I mean we realize that you know one size does not fit all when it comes to cars so or vehicles so um, and British Columbia, for instance, has regulations that uh, every car sold in the province or every new car sold in the province by twenty thirty five has to be electric, so we know that the electric cars are all coming um, for all the manufacturers um, and so. Uh, that also requires there to be all the models. You need the pickup trucks. You need the full-size SUVs. You need the people carriers, and you need the little the little ones as well. Um, but it's all going to be electric. And the great thing that General Motors did was um, go back, kind of to the right to the drawing board on their electric system. Um, so they didn't just take their existing models and and kind of try and and jerry rig. Um, an electric setup in them, uh, as the, which some of the manufacturers did very successfully, mind you, but GM went back and created a whole new, uh, powertrain, um, called the LTM powertrain where they, you know, they, they created a whole new battery system, um, created a whole new drive motor system, um, which is very flexible. So it can be, it can be, you know, put in any vehicle. It, it's, it's, uh, or, or, built built in any sort of model of vehicle uh, over top of it. So it's a, a great system uh, that can, you know, you're basically looking at the same sort of thing in varying degrees right from the Chevy Bolt, which is the smallest we have at the moment, all the way up to the Hummer and, and uh, you know, the full-size utilities that are going to be coming after that.
1: Yeah, and these cars have a lot of jump to them. These are not, uh, th- these cars can, can really move and they can really uh, excel, accelerate.
2: Yeah, uh, well, just the the way an electric motor works, you get 100% torque right at the, the time. So they actually have to detune the cars a little bit. So um, so they're not, you know, they're not like going to give you a whiplash when you're taking off from a, <laughs> from a red light or wherever you want to take off from. Yeah,
1: that's very, very cool. And, And, you know, a lot
2: of a lot of the cars like we have an electric Corvette coming. um, So, you know, the performance cars are also a lot of cars out there already. I mean, Porsche has Porsche has some and um, some some of the more luxury brands have a few uh, electric performance cars that are that are uh, just as fast or even faster than than the uh, the gas models. Right.
1: And like you say, the, the the main sticking point for a lot of people is uh, the charging stations, whether there's enough. And I'm noticing them all over the place. I live not too far from a community center, and they offer charging there, and they're always full. Um, so I guess that's becoming less and less of a problem, isn't it?
2: It will become less and less of a problem. And, you know, they've also announced, uh, there continues to be announcements all the time by the federal government. Uh, by manufacturers, by whomever, by General Motors, where they're they're trying to expand the charging network. So whenever you need a charge, you can basically get one. You can, like you say, going to the community center. You're going to go for a workout or a swim or something. You can plug your car in for an hour and get, or two hours and 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 you know top up. Um, But there needs to be, there still needs to be an increase in the in what we call the fast chargers, where they, you know, it only takes uh, an hour or two to get a full charge. A lot of them too are are uh, what we call level two chargers, which is kind of like your dryer outlet, 240 volts, Um, and those are great. But those are more for uh, home sort of things where you can plug in your car overnight. Because uh, it does take five or six hours to get a full charge, but but they're great for sort of topping up. Right. And, uh, but uh, if we can find more, there's some there's some BC Hydro chargers around, which are the, the DC fast chargers, which can uh, you know basically charge a, a car from zero to full range in in two hours.
1: Wow! And so, with the price, of we gas. need more of those yeah yeah absolutely and i i guess the the government is working on it and, and with the price of gas um it becomes uh less and less of a of a problem too when people you know what i mean it's it's like uh it's it's something that people will put up with because it it really like let's talk about how much it costs to run an electric car
2: well not much really i mean um mean obviously you'll you'll if you're charging at home you'll notice it on your power bill Um, but it doesn't cost it doesn't cost a lot to charge up uh, an electric vehicle Um, and you know when you start looking at uh, what the gas is at to two dollars and forty cents I think when I passed this morning per liter and you know I haven't had to go to a gas station for months now so um, it's it's pretty nice driving by that but yeah. The price of gas also makes it more realistic and uh, you know if you if you do the actual math the the value, even though electric cars at, at this point in time are a little more expensive, uh, it starts to make that that price increase a lot smaller.
1: Absolutely. We're talking to James Carter from the Carter Auto family. CarterAuto.com is the website for all their dealerships. James is the president of Carter GM North Shore in the North Van Auto Mall. So like I say, go to CarterAuto.com. And when we come back, I want to talk more about electric vehicles because I think they're very cool. And uh, also what's new in just the regular old cars. And I want to talk a little bit about the history. Of the Carter Auto family because it goes back a long way, more than a hundred years. That's all when
0: we return on Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. We'll be back in a sec. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.
1: Welcome back. It is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and we're talking uh, to a friend of CKNW. You've heard him many, many times, James Carter from the Carter auto family. He's the president of Carter GM North shore in the North van auto mall. And if you go to Carterauto.com, that's their website and they have dealerships all over the lower mainland, all sorts of different types of cars. And uh, I think, you know, you know, carter motors carter auto it's a name that people know because uh you know we've heard you on the radio for years and years and years um and you just passed like a like a hundred year anniversary of your family uh starting in the auto business tell us where it all started
2: well yeah a hundred years it's it's quite quite amazing actually to think of it um yeah it all started when my my grandfather um, came over from england uh, in uh, uh, you know in the early in the early twentieth century and he he um, was actually trying to take a train out to calgary and um, there was a stop off in Winnipeg and he uh, ended up walking into a car dealership that was there and uh, um, you know started talking with people and the manager and And the guy said, well, these are the salespeople or whatever. And he goes, oh, he goes, you know what? If these guys can sell cars, I can sell cars. So the guy gave him a job. Um, So he ended up selling cars in Winnipeg, even though he was, that wasn't his original plan. Um, And eventually um, in 1920, he bought, uh, or 21, I can't remember. He opened his first dealership in, uh, he opened Carter motors in Winnipeg. Um, and then, uh, you know, he had four sons, um, and they ended up all going, well, two, actually three of them ended up going into the, into the car business. Right. Um, and they were all working at, uh, at the dealership. My father was the youngest, uh, one at the time. And, uh, he ended up, um, uh, he wanted to start his own business. So a dealership became available, um, in Vancouver. And he uh, he moved out here, um, and it was actually in Carisdale at uh, right at forty first and or forty second and uh, West Boulevard, and it was a tiny little dealership. And uh, um, so he moved out here and and uh, started that dealership. Uh, it was previously called Phillips and Motors, I think. And then he uh, um, by that was nineteen sixty three, and by uh, 1960 you know a couple years later um you know the business had really outgrown the facility so he started looking around uh all over the place for uh for property to to try and move the dealership and uh apparently he used to bundle us all into the car and we'd go for family drives on on weekends and and just drive around looking at pieces of property um, and he eventually found the, the one at um, Lougheed and Wellington out in Burnaby. And, um, and we ended up, uh, uh, buying that property. And it was really in the middle, it was in the woodland at the time. Um, you know, there was, I, I remember when I was little, there was actually, uh, you know, livestock on the back half of the property. <laughs> um, and, um. Uh, and uh, you know there was a creek running through it and whatever, and so they they he bought this property and, and built the Carter GM dealership where it still stands today. Um, that was 1968, and uh, you know we've been we've been there ever since. And wow. since then we've you know we've we've had we, you know we we bought Carter Honda, um, and then we had uh, you know Carter Dodge and Carter Nissan and. You know, so there's been there's been dealerships that have come and gone through the years, um, but uh, the main dealership in, in Brentwood is is still there, right across the street from Brentwood Mall, and uh, you know, of course, the the dealership here on the North Shore is here, which uh, was one of our newest purchases, and that was back in uh, nineteen I'm trying to remember nineteen yeah nineteen ninety nine I think was when we wow. when we got this dealership. So, but yes, we've. Uh, we've been around for a long time. So, and we're not going anywhere.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're talking to James Carter from the Carter auto family, as we hear a little bit about the history. So you, you grew up in this, like from the, from as long as you can remember, was there ever, was there ever a time that you didn't think you were going in the car business or were you always
2: right in it? Oh, I was, I was pretty much always right in there. I, uh, you know, I went to university and, and, did some other stuff and then unfortunately my my father uh became ill back in uh, 1988 and uh, you know so he kind of confronted me i guess and asked me what you know what are you planning to do and i said oh i've always wanted to go into the car business and um and so uh i kind of went in full time and he right out of university and he he unfortunately passed away the next year but um but uh, you know we we've had some uh, great partners. Um, the Mitchell family has been our part <clears throat> been our partners for uh, for the for the whole time basically. Joe Mitchell became uh, my dad's uh, sales manager back still in the Carisdale uh, dealership, and he's been there. and <clears throat> And his two sons are now uh, o- o- running the, the Burnaby location, um, and so our families have been partners now for, for many many years.
1: Carterauto.com is the website. And, uh, thinking back to the, the late eighties, when you kind of started or, uh, and, and even in the seventies, when you saw it as a kid, um, what's the biggest difference? I don't know if there's an answer for this, but what's the biggest difference in how you see how cars are, are sold and the, the experience for people coming into the dealership. What's the biggest difference between then and now?
2: Well, um, you know, there's been lots of things over the years. The, you know, um, the advent of the Internet uh, has been a a big change in the selling of cars and the way that cars are marketed and advertised and um, the knowledge that people have before they actually uh, come into the dealership. So, you know, a lot of a lot of people, you know, they have it they have it. It's just a different way of doing research. So a lot of people have when they used to go and sort of look in the newspaper and and read about cars and buy magazines, things like that, to to do their research. Now they're doing it online. So yeah, um, and, and and they can gain a lot more knowledge. So oftentimes the people coming into the coming into the dealership um, have way more knowledge than they had, uh, you know, 30 years ago. They just can't, you know, so. So we don't have to, you know, sort of go through the process of of uh, teaching them uh, all about the car because right. a, a lot of the times they know about the car. So, um, but really, it still comes down to, um, you know, presenting the value and uh, and the relationships that uh, people have. Like, for instance, you know, some some I'll take Tesla for example has been been very successful. Um, without dealerships, without having their, with, with just selling their cars online. But that only really worked for them because they were the only game in town as far as an electric vehicle went. Right. Uh, and people wanted electric vehicles. So now going forward, there's going to be a huge availability of electric vehicles over all the manufacturers. So Ford, you know, Chrysler, Nissan, Toyota, whatever. Um, and, uh, and I think the dealers that that General Motors has and that they, these other manufacturers have are a big advantage um, because you actually have a relationship so if there's a if there 's an issue or if there 's something that needs to be to be uh, looked after for you and your situation, then we can help so really right. s- selling cars all comes down to uh, the relationship that that we have with our customers
1: we 're talking to James Carter from the Carter Auto Family, carterauto.com. Uh James is the president of Carter GM in the North Shore uh in the North Van Auto Mall. And when people come into Carter GM North Shore, um you know, we talked a little bit about electric cars, but just in general, what uh, what has got you excited about the products you have on the lot these days that you're selling?
2: Well, you know, the you asked about the big change from the the 70s as well, but the you know, just the quality of the products that that is there now and the value that you can, uh, that you can get in the vehicles for, for such great prices, because, you know, there, to be honest, there isn't a bad car out there, really. They're all made so well now. um, And they're, you know, there's just such a great availability for what you want. So, you know, I'm, I'm personally really excited about the electric vehicles. Um, I think they're fantastic and this way to go and driving them is, such a pleasure um and we have so many electric vehicles coming um you know the cadillac models that have uh that have come out in the recent years uh are are fantastic um you know and the, there's really good availability with uh you know you can get a variety of cars you can get a variety of suvs uh, or crossover vehicles if you want to call them that um to suit anybody's needs really and um you know, it's just, uh, it's a very exciting time in the auto industry.
1: Right. And some pretty good incentives and rebates for in here in BC for electric cars, right?
2: Yeah. Some very good rebates in BC, although they just changed the, uh, uh, the structure of it. Um, so um, it's, uh, you know, it's income, income tested now or income based now. So depending on where you where you lie, you can uh, in in the income levels, you can uh, um, you know get up to four thousand dollars as far as a, an EV rebate, and then that's also stackable with the federal rebate um, of five thousand dollars or up to five thousand dollars depending on the model of car that you get. Um, so it's uh, it's pretty it's a pretty good incentive sure and then there's also incentives for for chargers as well if you install a charger at your home um so it it things are it's pretty generous right now if you're (laughs) if you're looking an electric vehicle i mean the governments are very motivated to to uh have people get into electric vehicles and so um uh you know they're they're being pretty generous on on what's going on as far as incentives right now
1: right and we're almost out of time so in 30 seconds now that you say you're driving an electric car what's the coolest thing about driving an electric car
2: oh so quiet really yeah i think you know um it's just a, a solitude i was driving down with a friend from squamish yesterday and he was going oh my god i can't believe how quiet this car is <laughs> and so we yeah it's yeah. Uh, it's just they're really nice the performance is great um and now you know you're starting to get some whereas I'm the one I'm driving right now is a fairly basic model you know you can you're you're being able to get pretty much anything you want in an electric vehicle going forward so it should right. be a very exciting uh, time i think uh, and i think um you know, like I say, we're, we're pretty much mandated to go in that direction. So uh, everybody's going to be driving an electric vehicle at some point in the future. So
1: so head down to Carter GM North Shore in the North Van Auto Mall and see what is in store for cars. And you can go to carterauto.com uh, to find out everything that's going on with the Carter family. And our thanks to James Carter. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank
2: you. Thank you very much. Have a great day.
1: Yeah, you too. And coming up, it was 52 years ago this weekend that Vancouver officially became a city with an NHL hockey team, but but it all wasn't smooth sailing and it involved a little bad luck with a roulette wheel. I'm Martin Strong and that's next on Vancouver
0: Consumer on CKNW. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.
1: Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. I hope you're enjoying your Thanksgiving Day weekend. The Vancouver Canucks kick off their 52nd NHL season on Wednesday. They're in Edmonton. The first home game of the regular season is October 22nd, two weeks from today day as they host the Buffalo Sabres. And it's fitting that it's the Sabres. They were the other team that came into the NHL the same year as the Vancouver Canucks. uh, The draft that year in 1970 had happened the previous summer, and they had to decide of the two new teams who would get that first pick, the Canucks or the Sabres. So two days before the draft, the president of the National Hockey League, Clarence Campbell, spun a big roulette wheel. I'm sure he was smoking a stogie at the time, probably had a glass of rye in his hand as well. The wheel went around and around. The numbers on the wheel went from 1 to 13. The Canucks chose the numbers 1 to 6. Buffalo had 8 to 13. If it was a 7, they had to roll the wheel again. When the wheel came to rest, it landed on eleven. Campbell thought it was a one and congratulated the Canucks, but then was corrected. The Sabres had won the first draft choice and they knew exactly who they wanted. It was the person the Canucks would have picked if they could. The guy that both teams wanted was Gilbert Perrault. He was already a superstar the year before with the Montreal Junior Canadians. And because uh, it was the number 11, he actually wore number 11 on his jersey. The Canucks, well, they drafted second. So they drafted Dale Talon. Second overall. Talon had scored plenty for the Toronto Marlboros, lots of versatility. He was a good player. He could play both defense and at center. And uh, while he was a good pick, certainly not the future Hall of Famer Perot, also the pressure in Vancouver on Dale Talon was enormous. That did not help. After three years here, he was traded to Chicago, he retired 7 years later, but he wasn't done yet. Talon became a successful hockey broadcaster before finally becoming GM of the Blackhawks in 2005, helped rebuild the team into a Stanley Cup winner in 2010. He then went to Florida, and earlier this year, Dale Talon was hired by the Vancouver Canucks as a senior advisor and pro scout. So it all comes around. I mentioned that first year of the Vancouver Canucks being in the NHL because it was tomorrow, October 9th, that the Vancouver Canucks played their first ever NHL game in 1970. It was against the LA Kings. The first official fight in the Canucks NHL history would happen about five minutes into the game, while the first regular season goal would take a bit longer. They didn't score until the third period. It was when Jim Robson would breathlessly announce that defenseman Barry Wilkins had scored for Vancouver. Unfortunately, that was the only Canucks goal of the game, and they would lose 3 1 to the Kings. That was 52 years ago this weekend. So go, Canucks! The 22-23 season gets underway Wednesday in Edmonton. I'm Martin Strong. This is Vancouver Consumer. And when we come back, it's the consumer news headlines, including the question, if the COVID restrictions at the borders are gone, why is the Peace Arch
0: Park at the border still closed? That and more.